Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Father's Day 2020, a day that we'll uh, remember forever quite possibly, huh? Uh, Let's begin today in Scripture, shall we? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 is where we're going to start. Before we do that, I would just like to take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, Lord, we speak your blessing. Your blessing would fall on this message, Lord. Holy Spirit, use these words that I'm about to speak, that you've put in my heart to bless your people, to bless your children. Lord, we just ask that you'd have your way with today. We ask your blessing over the broadcast, over the technical stuff, Father. We ask that it would not get in the way or or restrict or hinder the work that you would have done, the kingdom work that you would have done today. So, Lord Jesus, just bless this this message and bless all those who are listening. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. I thought that was necessary. So let's begin from the top, Father's Day 2020. Here's, Here's a message from my heart to yours from the Father's heart to yours. Church Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 simply says a man leaves an inheritance. A good man, not not just a man, wait a minute, let me look at that again. A good man leaves an inheritance. Underline inheritance. You want to be a good man, don't you? Listen up, dads. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, not just his children. Follow now, his children's children, to his grandchildren, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. This is a good day to talk about inheritance, isn't it? I thought it would be a good day to talk about inheritance. After all, it is the measure of a life well lived, isn't it? When you think about it, well, what is the measure of a life well lived? It's what you leave behind. Don't you agree? I mean, it really is in that context then the measure of a man, isn't it? What are you leaving behind? Ask yourself that question. We're going to begin right off today, right off the top, with an application point for you guys. All right? I pray that your, your, your spirit ears are open today as well as your spirit eyes as we look through the scripture and have this conversation. Because this is an important question. It should be an important question to you if you've never thought about it. What are you leaving behind? Because whether it's good or whether it's bad, you are leaving something behind. Every man will leave some kind of inheritance. Now, if it's bad, it may be quickly quickly, uh, forgotten within a generation, but at least to the first generation, he's leaving something. Is it good or is it bad? Because it is definitely something. Proverbs chapter 24 Verse 3, in the Amplified Version, it says this, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house built, and by understanding is it established. Now, just leave this uh, on the screen for a moment. Leave this verse up on the screen uh, for a moment, if you could, media team. Look at this, church. Through what? Godly wisdom is a house built. No, no, no. Not just, let's back it up again. It wasn't just a man, right? It's a good man. We want to be good men. Through godly wisdom is a house built. Not just godly, through skillful and godly wisdom. Skillful. Does that not uh, uh, suggest tact? Think about any skill that you have. Now, I know there are some rare occasions where somebody's just born with an ability to play piano. Anytime they hear a song, they can just play it. There are, uh, John Hegg was a guy I went to uh, 
went to high school with. And I'm telling you, he could, we would just name a song off the top of our heads. We'd just play the uh, Young and the Restless theme song from that soap opera. And he would just, he'd think about it, he'd hear it, and he'd play it. So, now, some people are so blessed like that, that they just have this skill without even having to work on it, without even having to rehearse. Not that he didn't rehearse and practice his piano, but that ear, my goodness, you're born with that, I think. For the rest of us, skill is something that we attain through time invested. Through time invested. Now look at this, go back to this verse and, and think of that. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house built. Well, within the, this is Proverbs, so remember, this is through not the Western mindset, this is through the Hebrew mindset. What is a house when you refer to a house in the Hebrew sense? Yeah, they'd lived in houses. They built houses out of uh, um, wood, uh, maybe hay, wood, and straw, like the, you know, I don't know. Uh, they made it out of everything, everything of everything we make uh, uh, houses out of, right? Just same thing back then. I mean, they'd, they made houses the same way. The, but that's not what the scripture is referring to. A life, a home, a family. Do you see that? House in the Hebrew sense, a skillful and godly wisdom is a house built. A life is built, a home is built, but more than anything else in the Hebrew sense, when they would talk about a man's household, a, his house, they were talking about his family. And by understanding, underline that, is it established? Established, what does established mean? So your family, your life is built by, uh, by understanding, is it established? In other words, established means on a sound and good foundation, church. Take a screenshot of that if you're watching on your phone. How are you building your legacy, dads? That's what we're getting at, right? Think about it within the context of this verse. Are you building it skillfully? Are you building it skillfully? Are you putting in time? Are you investing time into your craft, your craft of attaining godly wisdom? Therefore, you can have understanding and build your family, your household, on a firm and sound foundation. How are you building your legacy, dads? On what is your house established? And here's what's more. By what means do you protect it? By what means do you protect it? I've got a visual learning metaphor for you guys here. All right? Think of this. Think of this. As money managers, as money, we all have to be money managers to some degree in this life, right? As money managers, if you've ever learned anything about the stock market, when markets get shaky, which we've seen happen, especially recently with this whole COVID-19 stuff, when the market gets shaky, what do people do? I'll give you a second. You can comment if you know. They, they diversify their risk, don't they? They diversify their risk, okay? Basically what that means is instead of having all my money invested into one company, okay, when the market gets shaky, if that company goes down, I could lose everything. So instead, I'm not necessarily gonna pull all my money out because I don't wanna lose money on the investment. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna diversify my risk by spreading that out and putting it back into many other companies, okay? So I'm divers so if one company fails, well, that's too bad, but I'm not gonna lose everything because I've got my risk spread out over several companies, right? So they diversify their risk. This is called risk management in financial, in financial terms. It's risk management. They do this 
in order to, to do what? To protect their assets. Maybe you can already figure out where I'm going with this. With that in mind, let me ask again, and I'm going to add something to it. On what is your house established? On what is your house established? What are you investing in? And what are you doing to protect that investment? The family has been under attack in this country for more than the last hundred years. You have to understand that. And really, since before that, the family itself has been, the, the idea, the construct, has been under attack since the beginning. Hasn't it? Think of Adam and Eve. Who were their children? Cain and Abel. Was the family not immediately under attack? Well, this, the family in this country has been under attack for at least more than the last uh, 100 years. Uh, in 1910, as a matter of fact, in 1910, Fabian socialist George Bernard Shaw commissioned this stained glass window. And I've mentioned it a couple times. I mentioned it last week, but I, ha I didn't have the picture for you. So I'm going to bring it back up today. Can I see that picture? Well, take a look at this picture. What you see in this picture is a couple men. They're hold one in green is holding the globe with some tongs. They both have hammers up in the air. You see, behind the man in red, there's the fire, and there's the guy in purple who's heating the fire. He's stoking the fire. He's stoking the flames, and they've heated up the world, which is the globe, and they're hammering it. Now look at the top of the window. This is 1910 Fabian Socialist George Bernard Shaw, a famous playwright, but famous Fabian Socialist and eugenicist. Uh, which is a, we talked about that a few weeks ago, but look at what it says at the top of the window. Remold it nearer to the heart's desire. In other words, reshape the world closer to our heart's desire, man's heart's desire, not closer to God's heart's desire, okay? We, so we have seen, this This is way back in 1910, everything that you're seeing playing out on the streets right now, church, is the same demonic spirit, okay? Uh, the the, the uh, uh, Marxist movement that is happening in our cities right now, and I wish I could say it was pure innocent. I know, look, I know that there are good-hearted protests that truly hate racism and that's what they're out doing I'm not discounting you and to you I say good on you mate right I say good 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 I stand with you but unfortunately it's not a surprise to us that we see Marxist elements creeping in creeping in uh, trying to take advantage of this movement you think of that whole thing in downtown Seattle I mean I find it comical I was talking to Andrew before we started uh, service this morning I find it comical that here uh, here we have a group of, of Marxists who have taken seas of the downtown Seattle area taken this property declared themselves to be an autonomous zone a new country right and those what's the first thing that they do they build walls and, and guard those walls with men with machine guns it's, the irony is just just palatable. Uh, in any case, I digress. The object of those who oppose freedom, hear me here, church, has always been to undermine the foundations of our society. And guess what the cornerstone of our society is, dads? The family. Here's a few facts for you I put together for you. Can I see those facts? First one up. Since 1960, the divorce rate in our country has doubled. Guys, how old is our country? 250 years? We're talking about just in the last 60 years, the divorce rate in our country has doubled. 
Single parent households have tripled. Couples living out of wedlock have quadrupled. Domestic violence, by, by the way, and perhaps these two are related, domestic violence has also quadru quadrupled. Our teenage pregnancy rate is the highest of any developed nation. Wrapped, wrap your mind around that. I know that we like to think that you know, at least in the world, we, st we still stand to, and it still represent the world's best case for uh, an example of virtue in the world. And I believe that to be true, but look at this statistic. This is the best the world has to offer. Our teenage pregnancy rate is the highest of any developed nation. Moving along, sexual abuse statistics are outdated literally the moment the ink dries in this country, church. 40 years ago, if mom wanted to work, it was a right. It was a luxury. Now, due to economic inflation, most moms couldn't stay home with the kids if they wanted to. Church. Mm -mm. We've got, we're a nation, uh, a nation because of that. And, and it breaks my heart, and I know it breaks the hearts of some of you moms. But the reality is daycares are raising our children in this nation. And, and child psychiatrists say that that aids in developing apathy in their character. We're being desensitized in this country. The family unit is under attack. Dads, do you hear me? Mm -mm. You want to leave an inheritance? To your, not just your children, but to your children's children? Are you concerned about being a good man? Are you concerned with leaving a good inheritance? Not just a, 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 a memory of heartbreak, but a good inheritance, a spiritual inheritance for your children. Not just money, but a spiritual inheritance for your children. Is that what you want? Well, we need to wake up if that's what you want, because the family is under attack. Just look at uh, the desensitization through the media that we've been seeing. I made you a list here. Look at this. Can we see this graphic? The desensitization through the media, through TV sitcoms. This, let's just take TV sitcoms about families and take a look at this. In the 1950s, what was on TV? Father knows best. How about that? And all the dads said, Yay, right? And all the moms rolled their eyes. Father knows best, though. Seriously, it honored the father. The sitcom in every household on every TV in the 1950s <laughs> honored the father. Leave it to Beaver. The kids are getting in trouble being silly, scrapping it up. The brothers and everything else getting into trouble. And it's a, a good humor, saying cute things that kids say, but respecting mom and dad. By the 60s, we saw a family affair which was a single father with a butler raising two children. We saw the Brady Bunch, which is uh, two uh, divorced mom and dad, the story of how they come together with kids from previous marriages, right? By the 70s, we saw Happy Days come along, which I grew, I remember watching that as a kid. It was about the, more about the kids than family. Nothing wrong with that, but you get the, you get the trend here. And then there was All in the Family, which was a, all about a highly dysfunctional family headed by Archie Bunker. He's made the news again recently for his racism, right? By the 80s, we had Full House. Now this is, now you're talking to me here, right? Three men raising a family together. Where's Father Knows Best? Where are the shows that mom and dad are a family unit and they're honored, right? Three men raising a family together. Kate and Allie, two divorced women raising kids, raising their kids together. Where are the dads? They're not even in the show. 
By the 1990s, he had married with children. Uh, the father's a joke. He just goes to work, comes home. He's completely disrespected by his children. Just hands out money. That's all he does, and all he does is complain. Staying in the 90s, you had The Simpsons. Uh, the Simpsons, Homer Simpson, obviously just a joke. The father. So here we go, just from the 50s to the 90s, we go from father knows best to Homer Simpson being the standard for our, our comedy. And of course, Roseanne. Uh, hard, hard to argue that that wasn't a show about a complete Jezebel narcissist running a family, huh? Uh, 2000s, we get the Family Guy, which is taking, you know, obviously the Simpsons to a complete another level. Uh, Peter, the main character of the Family Guy, a complete, complete buffoon as the, as the man of the house. Two and a half men, right? Uh, TV show on, on, uh, on primetime television centered around the flandering of these two men that are uh, raising a nephew and a son. Church, the modern family comes. I'm just, do you not see the trend here? Dads. Dads. Do you not see, just from the 50s, we went from father knows best to the modern family that's on right now. So what's the answer? What is the answer? What do we do? Dads, you want to leave a legacy? Your family is under attack. What's your response going to be? Batten down the hatches, right? Is that what you want to say? Batten down the hatches. Let's lay down the law right now. That's what the pastor is going to say, surely, right? Teach those kids some respect, amen? Right? Well, not so fast. In some cases, yes, okay? In some cases, absolutely, but not so fast. Uh, can I see this next picture? I want to take you on a world tour real quick. This is a picture of, what is it guys? Somebody call it out for me. The Great Wall of China, right? I've never, I always wanted to go see the Great Wall of China. Not so much anymore because it means I'd have to go to China. But uh, I always thought it was incredible. It's so huge. So, I mean, it's a, it's a marvel of, the, of, of ancient construction. It's incredible, right? Well, a writer told a story of ancient China once and how they needed security against bar the barbarians to the north. You know, the, the Great Wall of China was uh, built to protect China from the invading Mongolians, right? Uh, the barbarians to the north. So they built this great, great wall. It was so high they believed that no one could climb over it. So thick that nothing could break it down. During the first hundred years of the wall's existence, China was invaded three times. In a hundred years. Pretty good average, I'd say, but three times. How did the enemy get in? Not once did the enemy break down the wall or climb over it. So don't tell me a wall on our southern border wouldn't be effective, right? But not once did the enemy break down the wall or climb over it. Each time, hear me here, church, each time they bribed a gatekeeper. Each time a gatekeeper was bribed, and then the enemies just marched right through the gates. One commentator said, the Chinese were so busy, so busy relying on their walls of stone that they just forgot about it. They forgot to teach their children integrity. That's the quote. The Chinese were so busy relying on walls of stone, they forgot to teach integrity to their children. 
Rules and regulations, hear me here, are like walls. They can provide, listen, they can provide protection and security in a home. They absolutely can. But those walls won't keep the influence of the world out. Do you hear me? We must live, church, dads, 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 please hear my heart. We must live out an authentic faith in our homes. Are you living out an authentic faith? faith in your home or do you go to church in your one way and then you come home and you don't live the way you want people to think that you live at church be honest with yourselves we must live out an authentic faith within our homes it's time to change this paradigm it's not going to change itself we're on a track these enemies have been bribing the gatekeepers with comedy and hilarity and whatever else bribing the gatekeepers i'm telling you church the enemy is coming into your house through your child's phone through your child's ipad through YouTube, through Facebook, through social media, who's the gatekeeper? It's supposed to be you. It's time to change the paradigm. We need to raise kids that will influence the world, not just be influenced by the world. Oh, hear me here, church. We need to raise kids that will be world changers. Don't you want that for your little ones? World changers influencing the world, not the other way around. There is a battle going on today for the hearts and the minds of our kids. There's a study done uh, by Bryant Myers and George Barna. Here were the results. Can I see those results real quick? Has any, anyone ever heard of the... 414 rule. Here it is for you. In the US, United States of America, 85% of people who become Christians do so between the ages of 4 and 14. That is maybe alarming to some of you people, some of you who are parents. Just look at that one stat. Do you see the importance of you actually being involved in the rearing of your children? Do you see the importance of you being a, 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 a solid gatekeeper to the hearts and minds of your children? 85% of people who become Christians do so between the ages of 4 and 14. Nine, and here's another one. 93% of all 13-year-olds... Some of you have 13-year-olds or 12-year-olds. You're close. 93% of all 13-year-olds consider themselves to be Christians. That's awesome. What a great statistic. But only 34% of those that believe they are Christians, only 30% of those interviewed had an accurate understanding of what that really meant. Why is this, church? Why is this? Well, in summary, the ages of 4 through 14, the 4 through 14, uh, those who are of that age, it has been found to be, in, among humans, our prime age period for learning. The ages 4 to 14 is your prime. I mean, your prime, you want to learn another language, you want to learn anything, right? The prime target age to shoot for is 4 to 14. It's been the, found to be the prime period for learning. Why? Because our analytical minds at that point are in a sponge-like state, open to that which is not only physically experienced. So they're open-minded. After that point, we become less and less open 
to believing things that are that are that we can't feel, touch, taste, smell, so on and so forth. That's what Jesus said. We need to have faith like a child, didn't he? So we need to have faith like be open our minds. Open your minds, in other words, Jesus is saying. Be lay down the cynicism. Be willing to, to believe and learn things that you can't see and touch and taste. And we have a tendency to view our mission here, uh, to carry the gospel into the world through this grandiose lens. We think, we think, carry the gospel into all the world, and suddenly we're thinking about mission trips and how we've got to get this a Bible to, to this tribe on some remote island or wherever, right? Even those, but even, even those of us who know better tend to look at our mission as primarily in our place of work or community, right? We think of our mission to carry the gospel in all the world. I'm, I'm guilty too. I think of, okay, I'm going to carry the gospel in all the world. Suddenly I start thinking about other nations. But then, you know, I know it's, I know it's not just that because I'm not necessarily going to all the nations. I can support organizations that do. But So for me personally, my personal business, uh, ministry, it must just be my place of work, you know, my friends, my family, that sort of thing, right? Uh, and my community. Church, I'm telling you, Dads, are you listening? Happy Father's Day. Listen, our number one battlefront is your living room. Our number one battlefront is the living room. Dads, this is good news. This is your home court advantage. You've got home court advantage. Uh, NBA fan, sorry. Uh, the playoffs are starting soon, right? What's so important in, in uh, sports if you have home court advantage? Why? You're more likely to win at home. You're more likely to win at home. You're, it's a battle for the hearts and minds of your children, which, if they're not, they should be the most precious commodity that you have. After all, what's the measure of a man? What he leaves behind? I mean, I'm telling you, your money and cars and whatever else that you like, it, it will rot. Moths will come. Rust will decay. Tornadoes will tear down. Mm -mm -mm. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> you're, even, if, even if you're uh, uh, rich enough to have a statue made, they'll find a reason to tear it down these days. My goodness. I mean, if, if they're tearing down statues of Lincoln, for crying out loud, I don't know what hope you've got. Our number one battlefront is the living room. Take advantage. You have one. You know... I always explain this to people, especially in uh, marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling. You know, I always say, uh, I love to mention uh, how, you know, there's an idea in Christendom that, you know, a man is a covering for his wife and for his children. And it's true. It's very true. But growing up, I'd always hear this idea and read the scriptures and whatnot. And, and I'd think of this idea like an umbrella, a covering over the head. I'd think of like an awning, right? Well, that's good. Metaphorically, you can make that work as well, you know. Uh, you don't want anything to fall on anybody's head, right? But I think the more accurate, uh, the more accurate way to explain this is, yeah, you've, ever, you've seen those, uh, here's another visual learning lesson for you, right? You've seen those shows where they're uh, cop shows or in, you know, uh, investigator shows or, what, or army shows or whatnot and, or Mission Impossible shows and one guy's hiding behind 
uh, a rock and they're shooting bullets at him. Another guy, he'll, he'll run out and he'll say, cover me. And this guy will start shooting and the other guy will run, right? You get it, right? You get, are you hearing me here? Husbands, it's your job to cover for your wife and your children. That means you go out. You take the bullets first. You be the first line of defense for your children, for your wife, for your family, for your household. You hear me? You've got to embrace this. You've got to embrace this. You know, another beautiful uh, analogy is, uh, you see this? This is my wedding ring. It's a circle. It goes around my finger. It's a band around my finger, right? Do you know, uh, actually, in Hebrew times, you'd put it on your pointer finger because it was the most important finger on the hand. Um, this is a band around my finger that represents the fact that I am a band around my wife and around my children, around my household. That's what this represents. This is not just a symbol to other ladies that, hey, I'm off the market, right? No, it's a, sim a symbol of my role and the commitment that I have made to my wife and to my children. I will cover you. I will go out in front of you and before you and I'll be the first line of defense for you all the way around my home. That's where we get the word husband. Husband. He's a band around the home. That's your responsibility, Dad. It's, you know, another along with that, a be beautiful type and shadow is how the Jews, the Hebrews would sleep at night. When they had meager homes, meager homes, a lot of, some either built into a hillside with wooden structures coming out, you know, uh, but whatever it is, there's a main door. There's one main door. Now we got doors all over the house. I got to do a perimeter uh, lockdown of the house before I go to bed every night, right? Um, <laughs> there was one door, one main door, and that the bed was on the other side of the door. They put the bed as far away from the door as they could in the home. And the way they slept was the children in bed first against the wall, then however many children, oldest to youngest, and then the mom, then the dad on the very edge. Why is dad on the very edge? Because if anything comes through that door, who are they going to meet first? Dad, then mom, then children. It's, it's an order of protection. Church, are you running your home as, with any ADT security whatsoever? We need some spiritual ADT security going on. Simply safe. Simply safe. Here's simply safe, uh, uh, spiritual simply safe for you. Dads, you're the gatekeeper of your home. The gatekeeper, you're the band around the house, the protector of your wife and children, not just physically, spiritually in every way and there is a spiritual assault that has been launched against your home you got to take this seriously guys now i know some of you watching this you know uh i know you not all of you have kids yet okay so this doesn't necessarily directly involve you yet maybe you can get some nuggets out of this that say for like five years from now right maybe that's what you're thinking as you watch this well this isn't me really yet so uh, if you're maybe you've already turned it off, but if you haven't, you're thinking, well, I'll remember this stuff for when I've got some kids down the line, right? <clears throat> you know, let me ask you this if that's you, 
you don't have children yet, you have heard and received the gospel and you are called to share it, right? You have heard the gospel, you're called to share it. Okay, we agree. We agree, right? Well, if that's the case and you own that as a Christian, here uh, is a fact that might interest you. Did you know that one-third of the Earth's population is 18 years old or younger? One-third. Did you know that one-half of the world's population is 20 years old or under? Church, there is a battle that is going on today for the hearts and the minds of our youth. There just is. And if you don't have a family of your own, do you have a niece or nephew then? Do you have a niece or nephew? Maybe if your brother or sister could use some backup watching the gate, if that's the case. Or maybe you can be a big brother or a big sister. That's an awesome organization. It's an awesome or Big brothers and big sisters, I'm telling you. Oh, man, my, my older brother did that and when we were in high school. And this awesome young kid would come over and we'd play basketball with him. He didn't have a dad in the home, so we gave him some, some, some male encouragement and, and, and cover. Man, there are so many kids in this world that need someone to be the gatekeeper for them. They're hungry for it. They're hungry for it. You ever notice how children, they're, they're always testing boundaries. Why? You ever think about this? If you've got kids, you think, oh man, that kid of mine, I'll tell you what, why are they always pushing me? Why are they always pushing me? They know that I've said the rules, but they're always pushing the rules, they're always trying to get away, because they want you to discipline them. A child feels loved when they're disciplined, because they know for certain that you care. How many parents have abandoned disciplining their children because they're tired of it? So they lay down their role of gatekeeper and let the world have their children? No, 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 no. That you're not allowed to do that and be a part of this organization called the Church of Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? <sighs> Jesus said it would be better for someone to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the Sea of Galilee than to cause a little one to stumble. Jesus loves the little children and he loves your children. And if you've got kids, there's one job that you've got that's the most important job you've ever been given. And it's not the fact that you've achieved the height of your career or success in the markets or whatever. No, it's to be the good gatekeeper for your children. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Many people here today listening were failed by our families as they've fallen into the enemy's plot. Many Many here today, whether they realize it or not, would identify with Abraham. Let me read Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. I'm going to read the New Living Translation. We're going to have some fun with translations today and jump around a little bit. A little bit. I'm almost out of time anyway. Well, I hope this is hitting you, uh, hitting you uh, somewhere in the heart today where it counts. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, God speaking to Abram, and go to the land that I will show you. Verse 2. This is the famous, famous, especially those of us that support and love Israel. We love to mention this verse, don't we? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3. 
I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. We hear that over and over and over again, don't we? Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Let's send some money to Israel, right? We'll bless Israel. Love that. We need to bless Israel. My goodness. Bless Israel. Back it up for me real quick. That's not what I'm talking about today. Verse 2. Can I see verse 2 again? I will make you into a great nation. Here's, here's where it is, guys. Here's where, I will bless you and make you famous, and you will what? Be a blessing to others. God's covenant with Abraham included two things. Two things. Don't let it be lost on you. Top line, a promise, right? A blessing. Excellent. We know that. But look at what else it had within it, a responsibility. Top line blessing, bottom line responsibility, being a blessing to his children and to others. You will be a blessing, Abraham. That's a responsibility. To many parents, they, they think that they're owed something. You know, they think that they're maybe owed respect. I gave you a roof over your head, you owe me some respect. Or you owe me love, maybe, you know? Just for conceiving the child? Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're mistaken. The de deficit, as a matter of fact, goes the other way. The deficit goes the other way, I'm afraid. Uh, Pastor Clay, a uh, mentor of mine, uh, sits on our oversight uh, board. You know, he used to always say, you know, if you don't deal with your junk, if you don't deal with your junk, your kids will. And that is so true. Moms, dads, hear me. If you don't deal with your junk, your kids will. And I'll add this. If your kids don't, then your grandkids will. Because generational curses are a very, very real thing. What kind of legacy are you leaving? What kind of legacy are you leaving? If you don't make a conscious decision, hear me. Hear my heart. If you don't make a conscious decision to be a blessing to your children, the odds are you won't be. If that hits hard, I'm sorry. Too many parents try to live the lives that they feel they didn't have through their kids, and it's not the kid's responsibility. What are you leaving behind? Remember, good, bad, good or bad, it's something, it's something. On what is your house established? What are you investing in? Skillful, right? What are you investing in? And what are you doing to protect your investment? So uh, to finish out today, I've got three keys for you. I know some of you guys like points, you note takers. Three keys, okay? Application points, or as I'd like to say, a Father's Day gift for you guys today. I've got a great Father's Day gift for you. I've got some tools for your mental shed. You ready? Number one, live in love. Live and love with unconditional acceptance. Unconditional acceptance. What's that mean? It means approval should not be given based on performance, all right? We hear that that's not the case with Jesus for us, so why should it be any difference with us and our children? Approval should not be given based on performance. Who in here makes life choices with the desire to please Jesus in mind? I'll wait. I got one. I got one, Eva. Sweet pea. I'll tell you what, who, uh, here's another one, who in here, 
makes those decisions not so much because of Jesus, but because they're afraid of going to hell. Not as many, I hope, right? Not as many, I hope. Approval should be desired more than disapproval is feared. Please get that. Approval should be desired more than disapproval is feared. They'll desire your approval. Why will they desire your approval? If they respect you. If they see from you that you love them unconditionally, you love them unconditionally, their approval, your approval of them is not based on performance, They'll have a, they will love you and respect you. Do you see that? Approval should be, should be desired. I, I, kids, I, want, I desired my dad's approval. I loved him and respected him. Well, primarily why? Because he loved me so much. I could see what the efforts of the gatekeeper. I could see, I could see that he was willing to give me the boundaries I craved and needed. And when I pushed for them, I found them. They made me feel safe and secure because I found the wall. Do you let your walls, those, those walls that your kid is uh, looking for, just crumble every time they push too hard? How easily do those walls go down? Oh, there's so much here, church, I tell you what. Approval should be desired more than disapproval is feared. How do you accomplish that? How do you accomplish this then? Well, make Jesus the center of your home. Is Jesus the center of your home? Remember what Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Be an example of this. I'm, I'm talking about inspiring our children this morning, our youth to a way of life, a way of thinking. A way of being. We need to teach our kids that, deci that, yes, decisions have consequences, but no matter what they do, they'll always be ours. It doesn't matter to me. My kids could break my heart. I'm still going to love them. They're still my kids, you understand. There's nothing that they can do to make me not love them, to make them not my children. It's the same way with us and Jesus, and thank God for that. There's nothing that you can do. Once you've put your faith and your trust in him, the Holy Spirit seals your heart, guaranteeing what? Your inheritance. You're his, we see a fully legally adopted heir. It's done. Now, you mess up. Does it grieve the Father's heart? Surely it does. Because why? Because you suffer for those decisions, and that's not what he wants for you. It's the same with our children. So, yeah, teach them. Teach them. That decisions have consequences, especially bad ones, but no matter what they do, they will always be ours. Don't parent with threats, please, or by putting conditions on your love. There's nothing worse you can do to a kid. Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Let's read that. New Living Translation. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, and thank God he does, may God, who gives this patient patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Mm. If your home is in constant upheaval, think of this now, if your home is in constant upheaval or full of bickering, something has to change because that won't inspire anybody. It won't, you won't be inspired for that matter. So there's our point, first point. Live in love with unconditional acceptance. Point two, here's another tool for your mental tool shed, Dad. Be an encourager. 
instead of a discourager. Do you get that? Be an encourager, not a discourager. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. The Living Bible. Translation reads, Fathers, don't scold your children so much. Now look, I'm not saying don't scold your children, right? <laughs> Keep it underlined so much, right? Fathers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and what? This is everything. Quit trying. Too many of us are unknowingly accomplishing the exact opposite of what we're going for. There are a million ways that people discourage without even realizing it. Many reject compliments for their children. Well, you're out in public, family event or whatever, and you see there's somebody says, oh, isn't that sweet? Look what they did. They did such a good job. Oh, your kids are so good. They're so well behaved. And then, and then all of a sudden dad pipes in. Well, you don't see him at home. Uh, you don't. What? Why would you even say that? Many undermine the work of their adult children, you know, or their children, uh, their adult children, they make a decision, they get something done, well, I had to make a decision, so here's what I did, or this is how I handled that situation, and what does mom or dad say? Well, what I would have done is this. Okay, so in other words, you're telling me that I did it wrong. Thanks a lot, right? God is a builder. You've got to take this to heart, church. God is a builder, and he builds with people. He builds with people. He is a builder, but you're his building block, okay? And so you are called to build up your family. Build up your family. How inspired would you be if you thought God really didn't expect much out of you? Right? It's, it's laughable. It's a silly question. Not very inspired, right? Well, then... Some of you might actually feel that way right now. To ask yourself, are you, how are you building? Are you building up or down? This goes, and this goes beyond any kids that you have or might encounter for that matter, church. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's read that. Verse 7, the Living Bible translation again, says, if you love somebody, Paul says, if you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter, no matter what the cost, you'll be loyal. Oh, I love this. You will always believe in him. Always expect the best. And this talks to you like who you are as a person. Take this to heart. Are you so sin? Are you cynical? I mean, look, it's hard not to become cynical in this world, but the Holy Spirit, the Word of God is here to aid you in maintaining your optimism. God didn't give up on you, right? And thank God that he didn't. Do you not still disappoint yourself and do you not disappoint God? Everybody does. But we've got to expect the best of each other. Hope for the best of each other. If you love somebody, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him and always expect the best of him. And we're failing to do this with our children? Yeah, many are. Point three. Here's the third tool for your mental tool shed this morning. Bless them, your children, bless them with wise correction. Bless them with wise correction. I've got five verses to throw at you. I'm going to go rapid fire. Are you ready, Eva? We're going to do this fast, all right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Can I see that? The Lord disciplines 
the one he loves, and he chastens every one he accepts as his son. Now, a lot of people read this verse and they think, oh, God's handing out spankings now. He punishes. Punish, punish, punish. That's not what the, the word means there. The word there is the Greek word padaio. It means to train as one trains a child. Is that angry? No. No. Now, sometimes it can be full of disappointment, sure, but it's always out of love. The Lord trains those he loves. He trains them as one would train a child. Proverbs, uh, so we bless with wise correction, right? Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 24 reads, If you refuse to discipline your children, it proves you don't love them. If you love your children, you will be prompt to discipline them. But what is discipline? Is it scolding them to the point where they quit trying? Remember our, our, the context of the study here. Certainly not. Train them as one trains a child. It proves that you love them. Proverbs verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 18 reads, Correct your children. Discipline them. Again, while there is hope, otherwise... You will ruin their lives. Is that what you want? Certainly not. Another translation says destroy them. Ruin their lives is pretty effective though. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Helpful words that build up is the gold. That's the goal. The gold standard. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 continues. The Living Bible. In response to all he has done for us, let us outdo each other. Ah, that's an awesome challenge, isn't it? Outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other in doing good in response to all that he's done for us let's outdo each other in being helpful and kind in doing good just as abraham was given a promise we have been spiritually grafted in and given that promise as well so as abraham was responsible to pass it on you will be a blessing to your children hmm as Abraham was responsible to pass it on, so are we. Is it an easy task? Not remotely, not at all. But his word will lead us, church, if we'll look to it. His word will lead us, dads. You're not in this alone. You're not in this. He's not abandoned you in spirit, in discernment, in Holy Spirit, led direction. He's not abandoned you. He's given you the word of God. He's given you these scriptures. He's given you, he's given you your church family. He's given you me, right? He's given me you. He's given us each other to lean on, to support, to, 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 to share our, our struggles with each other and say, here's what I feel I need to do. Here's what, here's what I'm going through with my kids. And, you'll get, and if you have godly friends, then you'll have godly counsel available as well as the Holy Spirit and the Word of God at your fingertips. Church. Mm -mm. Let's go back to Proverbs 13, verse 22, where we began today, and we'll close. Let's read that. A good man 
leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. What are you leaving behind? Because good or bad, it's something. Good or bad, it's something. On what is your house established? What, what are you investing in? Are you investing in your children? Where are you spending your time? That'll tell you. You know, where your time is, there you'll see what you care about. Where your treasure is, that's where we'll see what you care about. Where do you put your money and your time? That's all. You can tell a lot about a person. You can find out a lot about what you need to know from a person by seeing where they put their money and where they put their time. What are you investing in? What are you doing? And what are you doing? This is it. To protect that investment. Are you taking the bribe? Because the world would love to say, hey, here, have some free time. I'll babysit the kids over here on YouTube or on TV for you or on all of this trash that's just going into their heads that is ultimately, in large part, teaching them to disrespect you, teaching them to hate that you're the gatekeeper, teaching them to hate that you're the wall, the band around the home. Mm. What are you doing to protect your investment? Proverbs 24, let's remember as well. Let's look at that. Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house built, a life, a home, a family. And by understanding is it established, is it built on sound and good foundation. How are you building your legacy, dads? Are you building it skillfully? I pray that you are, and if you haven't been, maybe this is a wake-up call, but maybe it's just right on time. There's nothing more precious than our children. There's nothing more important to the future of this nation, as a matter of fact, than what we pour into our kids, that we take the time and, and care to do it skillfully. With every eye closed and every head bowed, Let's just right now, if, you, if, you're, if you're being called to action or this is a wake-up call, I just want you to raise your hands right now. Maybe somebody in the room will see you as confirmation. It's, you're confessing it. It's going to be, it's gonna be uh, um, you're going to be responsible to them for this now, okay? But that's a good thing, okay? Show them that you care, you care, and that you're going to do better that you're going to stand back on the wall, you're going to be the gatekeeper. This could be a great unifying moment for families right now. Mom, dad, dad, children, dads. This could be a, a special moment for you guys to come together in the presence of the Holy Spirit and make a commitment to your family, dads, to say, I'm going to be the band around this house, and maybe I've failed, but it is my heart's desire because God has put that desire in my heart. And I have failed in this way. I have failed in that way. But you know what? I'm picking up the mantle. And you know what? 
there may be times where you're mad at me or frustrated with me because now I'm not letting you get away with things you got away with before or maybe I'm not going to let you watch things that you watched before or maybe I'm not going to let you have the phone 24-7 anymore and you can be mad at me about that but you'll know why I'm doing it and it's from a place of love and my responsibility that I have to God because dads we are responsible to God for these little ones. He has trusted us to be their guardians. Oh, take that responsibility seriously. And uncles and aunts, take that responsibility seriously as well. Let's, as a community, take that responsibility seriously for the little ones in our community that don't have uh, dads or grandparents. Can we rally? Can we rally? That's what the church is supposed to be, right? The church comes alongside. The church protects. The church applies the band-aids, as we talked about on Wednesday night. Am I right? Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here and that's you, your, your hands are raised. Confess it to the Lord and ask him for his aid. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you see the hearts of your men. See, see the hearts of your dads, your, your uncles, God. See the hearts of your families, God. The hearts of, 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 of the men, the fathers, turned back to their children and the children's hearts back to their fathers, Lord Jesus. This Father's Day 2020, God, let this be a new beginning for families across your nation, God. Your nation, this United States, that you supernaturally had a hand in founding, God. Let it be so. Give us the instruction that we need, the tools we need in the shed, God, the encouragement, the discernment, and the fellowship, God, that we need in one another, Lord, to be strong and, and, and stand against such an attack that is so creative and coming against our families, Lord Jesus. We pray your blessings upon the homes, Father. Blessings upon the homes of the people in our families. Blessings upon the homes, the family units in our community, in our church, God. Let it be so, Father, that your way is had. Let there be a revival of family values, Father. We're rejecting, rejecting of what the spirit of the enemy is saying through media and everything else. God, we reject the dishonoring of the fathers in the home that the, that the enemy would try to speak into the minds of the children. In the name of Jesus, oh, moms, you're a big part of this. Do not give voice to that enemy. Do you hear me? I don't care how upset you are with daddy. You better not talk bad about him to your kids. Do you hear me here? I don't know who needed to hear that, but somebody needed to hear that. Oh, Lord Jesus. If you're here, if you're watching this church and you've never you need to surrender some things, or maybe you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ fully, just right where you are, stand, let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. Now come into my heart. Make me new, God. Walk with me all the days of my life, God. Show me the path to take. Prosper me in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour his grace and favor out on you as you go. May he restore and rebuild your families. May your families be set on a strong foundation, dads. Happy Father's Day. May, may the Lord God Almighty strengthen you and, and enable you and help you guard the gates and the walls around your home. You band around the house. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. We love you guys. Hi, I'm Pastor Chad Randall. And I'm Amber Randall. 
we founded Life Story Church, a grassroots church in Bellevue outside of Nashville, Tennessee. We are Bible-believing Christians who believe church is about family doing life together. Thank you for joining us today on the Life Story Church podcast. Visit lifestorychurch.com or facebook.com slash lifestorynashville to learn more about us.